doing the work gives you the confidence to believe in yourself. Believing in yourself will give you the confidence to further improve the work and grow. And so there, everything is cyclical, including success. There'll be highs, there'll be lows, but you have to stand firm and, and go through. And, and one of the things that stoicism has done for me, it was one of my philosophies, or, you know, it, it has, it's taught me that this too shall pass, both success and failure, both life and death, and so, and both happiness and sadness. And so you just gotta keep moving forward. Like that Disney film, Meet the Robinsons, keep moving forward. And you'll find that life will reward you. You're listening to the Digital Jamaica Podcast, a show created to inform, inspire, and motivate more Jamaicans to explore the wonderful world of tech. I'm your host, Katie Francis, and on today's show, I am talking to Kemal Brown, CEO and founder of Digital Global Marketing part of the digital global group and you know as we do with these conversations what i really wanted to find out from Kema was how his mind works i remember a couple months ago i was on a panel discussion with kemal for branson and i was absolutely fascinated and kind of taken aback with the depth of his thinking I mean, he was dropping gems after gems, but those gems originated from somewhere. And he has a very fertile, very uh, fresh, very deep mind. And I absolutely love the way he thinks and the way he approaches his work, the way he approaches the world, his outlook. It's absolutely refreshing. And I definitely wanted to share that with you, our audience, because... it's inspiration right it's inspiration and of course we want to give you information as to how he did what he did and i am so thankful to kemal because he didn't hold back and we got you know a little glimpse of the inner workings of his mind as a ceo of a top company in jamaica and the region with global standards um competing on a global stage so we're proud of him as a jamaican that he has been able to build something like that i mean this is somebody who um speaks internationally about um this kind of thing and he'll he'll be the first to tell you he's not a marketer he's a problem solver right and of course that could lead in so many directions but we're just happy that he has chosen this part because as i said earlier it's super inspiring so without further ado let's hear from Kemal Brown. Kemal, thank you so much for um, um, your time. Really, I know you're a busy person being a CEO of a very successful company by my standards, certainly. <laughs> um, compliment. Uh, <laughs> so talk to us about uh, Digital Global. What is it and where did that idea to start this, what you want to call it, a movement <laughs> come mm. from? Well, definitely. I mean, you know, DGM um, is my brainchild. It's, it's one of my babies. Clearly, I said, you know, we have a group of companies. It was the first out of the group of companies and the one that I'm most well known for. Right. Um, the genesis of the company was really just analyzing market trends. I mean, back in, I think it was 2015, 2014, 2015, a friend of mine was asking me to do some freelance work for him. You know, at the time, I just come out of a pretty rough car crash and, um, you know, I needed to earn some additional chips. And so I kind of just 
latched on to what he was doing. He was doing some live blogging for a couple of brands domestically and, you know, the social media stuff. So anything that I that I take on, I try to do it to the best of my ability. And so I started looking into this social media thing. And, you know, outside of just the the personal use cases, what does a corporate use case look like? Why is this an important thing for businesses? Right. And so I. I dug a little deeper and I started reading articles and getting more of a with it. And I saw that, you know, there's a great opportunity based on where technology was going. And I've always been somebody really interested in technology. Like one of my one of my goals when I was a kid was to own a Best Buy because I used to go there. I used to live in the States. I used to go there and play with the the, the, the consoles and like help people around the departments because I knew all the stuff for free. Right. I just really liked that store. I actually wanted to own a chain of those. Clearly, digitization has led to a change. And so I think I've chosen the right area, which is digital transformation and digital technologies. And digital global marketing is just a, a realization of um, one aspect of that vision, which is the marketing dynamic aspect, um, helping brands and firms to kind of, you know, rebrand, um, reach your target or core audiences, grow um, using digital transformation, um, core, you know, tied into the marketing aspect of it for digital global marketing but the company um yeah the idea was really from you know just reading and learning and at a certain point in 2016 actually in 2015 i took on a freelance contract for a pretty large government entity by then i was kind of like known as one of the experts because i was just reading like five articles a day um you know researching i was speaking on panels i was everywhere in jamaica in the beginning at least in jamaica alone at that time because we've gone globally now in terms of um i've been i've spoken in about 25 countries uh, delivered over about 250 to 300 presentations worldwide um, on digital marketing, digital transformation, leadership in the digital age, themes such as that. But yeah, we started very humbly, you know, and the idea was really just looking where the world was going and trying to adapt and see what opportunities, low latency opportunities existed in this space, because clearly I didn't have any startup capital to start any massive firm. And so I had my MacBook and my mind, and that was really the genesis. And that is the amazing part of it. And I'm I'm glad you re you, 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 you talked about reading several articles a day and you know keeping abreast of what was going on. I remember we were on a Branson panel together recently. Indeed. And you you said that. You said um you, you did a lot of reading because you actually don't have a background in marketing, do you? Oh no, my background is political science. I it's, used to lecture political science, yeah. There you go. So you are a self taught marketer. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, you know, I see, but I don't call myself a marketer, really. I see myself as a problem solver. As a problem <laughs> and, solver, right. Yeah, but that's so, and a catalyst for growth and change. But marketing mm -hmm. is one area, is one channel, one conduit through which I solve problems. Yeah. Right. Um. So, and, and again, this is not something that you, you were taught in any formal kind of way, but it's something that you found yourself interested in and found yourself to have some natural competences in. And you, you, you did a lot of reading and you researched and you got it going. And I wanted, I want to focus on that because I read your bio, sir. <laughs> I read your bio and I found something in it very interesting. And it's really? this whole concept of Kaizen. Because mm. before you are world traveling speaker and yeah. 250 odd um, presentations and excitement, <laughs> excitement, excitement, Indeed. it was a mindset. It was something oh, yeah. that you had to decide you wanted to do and pursue. Mm -hmm. And I thought, and, and now that I've read your bars, like, oh, okay, so this makes sense now. So tell us about Kaizen and how that impacted 
that growth trajectory because going from somebody asking you to do a little thing and making a little extra money to mm-hmm. global agency that's mm-hmm. a big deal so well, talk to know. us about kaizen and the role all of that played well i think philosophy determines life right um the things that you believe create literally create your reality and um for quite some time i was just going around trying to learn. I'm big on personal development. I'm a motivational speaker as well. Yeah. So I've spoken a lot all over the world on that. So I'm big on personal development. I'm always reading, learning, looking for new ideas, looking for new concepts that can kind of inform my worldview and my mm-hmm. philo- my personal philosophy. And one day I was watching I was watching a um, video by this guy called Bob Kramer. Now, Bob Kramer makes these really beautiful knives. Now, this guy, I don't remember what he did before, but he now just makes knives full time, right? And his knives sell for like a thousand US up. Now, this is just a cutting knife. But because of the excellence that through which um, he, you know, he sought to achieve his goal, which is to make the best knife on earth. And, you know, the Kaizen philosophy, which informed him, um, you know, towards his goal, he just tries to get better every single day. It really just left an indent in me. You know, it, it, it had a deep impact. And I started learning more about the philosophy. I realized it came from Japan and the samurais. And, and actually, it's coming, it's coming from um, not only the samurai, but the, the Toyota way which is where the concept of Kaizen, meaning perpetual daily improvement, came from. But it's also a very pervasive part of Japanese culture. I'm big on Japanese culture. I love, you know, the samurai code and all that type of stuff. And I believe in honor and integrity and all these things. So, you know, it was like a natural um, a natural uh, tangent point. It's something I just gravitated to deeply. And so every single day I get up and I just try to be better. I try to increase my knowledge base. I try to be more empathetic. I try to be more compassionate. I try to learn more about my craft. I try to find innovative ways to achieve uh, mundane tasks. I try to find innovative ways to create innovative products. I'm just always trying to get better. Now, some people say Kaizen has a drawback in that it speaks to daily improvement versus massive leaps. But I think uh, you get to determine the pace. And I, as one of my friends says to me, you know, we're on accelerated life paths. I mean, as a young, I'm 30 now, started a company four years ago. Um, we're a U.S. million dollar company, uh, you know we've done tremendously well in the context of where we are in the Caribbean, so, so-called so third world economy, but we try to espouse global standards. And so we've worked a lot with a lot of international entities and we're actually in expansion mode right now. I'm hoping to IPO on the Jamaica Stock Exchange in short order. So, I mean, I think Kaizen really, it just drives my life. Every day I get up, I meditate. Every day I get up, I read. Every day I get up, I read, Um, you know, the Daily Stoic. I try to center my mind. I try to um you know lead my team in the best way even though you know covid was a massively stressful time period for all businesses and me personally it was very tough but you know i just tried to get better and i think if we can even just make a commitment to getting better daily the world um through the through the effort of compounding will be better eventually yeah yeah so let me ask you though did this whole philosophy of kaizen come about after you started digital or was it a part of the process of starting it, a part of your daily self-improvement or, you know, how did I, I cannot, come? I cannot time date it, but I do, I do recall literally, I can visually sit, picture myself sitting, watching the Bob Kramer videos. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was around the same time actually, because you know, when you start a company, it's a responsibility, right? You have yeah. to equip yourself with the knowledge. If you didn't have the knowledge before on leadership, marketing, management, accounting, finance, especially when you're bootstrapping, like I did. I mean, I started the firm with, with our first deal, was 450,000, I mean, I remember 450, 45,000 Jamaican dollars at the time. That's about 300 US, right? Um, and it was to redesign a company's logo. At the time, I had no staff. I paid the designer, who's now my longest serving team member. Um, I paid him 150. I paid him half the money to do the logo for the customer. And I took 150 and registered the business, right? Mm-hmm. So we started with nil. 
Um, and it's literally been, it's been no grants, no government subsidies, no award-winning competition money. It's just been bootstrapped um, to growth. At present, we have 15 staff. Uh, you know, I'm just trying to consistently push. And we've employed over, I think, about 100 people in Jamaica, both in terms of contractors and um, and um, full-time staff. Yeah. So we've contributed a ton. We've also had internship programs that we developed. We really tried to be a cohesive company, even though we're small and our resources are limited, mm -hmm. um, until we can, you know, blow up. While keeping resources still relatively frugal, because we are running a business, we do want to have more of an impact. And we've done things like, you know, um, contributed to rotary stuff and a lot of so corporate social responsibility. I'd like to do more of that, but right. I'm just proud that the firm um, and the team members are, you know, we've, we've weathered the storm well for a four-year-old company. We didn't go belly up, yeah. Uh, you know, and I, I didn't have to let anyone go just by through wise um, fiscal prudence, yeah. uh, you know, management. And um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I can't date when the philosophy came, but I know it, it, it has deeply impacted my life. It's how I live my life. And um, I, I don't see a better way, to be honest. Yeah, and, and pretty much everything you just said is along that same line, self-improvement and, and, you know, moving from one step to the next step to the next step and taking daily steps to make sure that you're getting um, where, you, where you want to go. And I suspect, well, not suspect, uh, that's why you are now a sought-after person because you're, you're on just about every panel um, talking a lot. But I want to pull back a little bit as mm -hmm. well and, and talk about when did you know you were an expert or how did you find out? <laughs> was it something that was internal where mm. like, okay, I have read 50 million articles, now I'm an expert? <laughs> or was it when persons started knocking at your door like, hey, we want you to come, you know, and say this? What, at what point did you know and, and was confident enough to call yourself an expert? All right, that answer has three prongs. The first one would be, yes, there are persons knocking at your door, persons, you know, requesting your expertise because therefore you're an expert. If persons requesting your expertise, you know, the word by itself. <laughs> Indeed, right? Uh, and it depends on the quality of the people, clearly. I mean, it's not it's not like any, you know, clearly every, everyone is welcome to reach out to us, et cetera. But clearly if you have international organizations and um, big organizations like Horasis in, um, in um, Portugal, asking me to fly over there to speak as a part of it. I mean, they're billionaires. They're U.S. billionaires that attend this thing, right, and speak at this thing. And I'm, I'm being flown from Jamaica to, 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 to be one of the panelists or to be a um, discussant for digital transformation. I mean, there was a guy there from the Boston Consulting Group you know, that headed the Brasilia branch and I'm on the same panel with him. I think that was pretty cool, you know? Yeah. I didn't think I, I didn't, I wouldn't say I've achieved that level of that modicum of success, but the fact that, you know, I was recognized, I appreciated it. Um, and I go every year, they ask me back every single year since I went the first time. Um, but then the other prong, it is, you know, some level of self-definition. I mean, Muhammad Ali said I'm the greatest before he was, and he's remembered as the greatest of all time. So I think there's a level of inception. Once you come back it up, clearly he had to win those fights. And clearly I had to be able to execute on the things that I said I could execute on when the time came. But there is a level of self-definition that, yeah, I'm going to be the best at this. And really and truly, I wanted to be the best person in Jamaica or the Caribbean. And I say wanted because that's not necessarily my goal right now, um, just because my focus has shifted because of the group of companies. And I'm leaving that goal to be the company's goal to be the best, not necessarily me personally. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I, I think, you know, there's a large level that you have to decide, make a decision. Everything flows from decision, right? Yeah. Um, thoughts, thoughts exist, yes, and your thoughts are ruminating. But once you make a decision, you're then aligning yourself with a, with a certain future path. And you have to take certain steps within that path to realize the goal. And that's what I did. Uh, so I don't read five articles a day anymore on digital marketing. I'm more reading on larger, larger themes and, you know, writing more now, actually, than, than reading. Um, 
But yeah, and then the final part is, what was I going to say um, in terms of the expertise? Uh, well, let me just go back to my two. It was a very profound third one there that I had, but I lost it. <laughs> right? But um, yeah, I think, you know, any anything that you want to be the best at, right? Or anything that you want to, if you just put in 20% more work, you'll be better than 80% of the world at it. And I think people don't get that simple um, little little trick there. Remember, every, like, mm -hmm. if you have 100 people that want to be something, maybe 10 might read one article. Maybe one might read 10 articles. If you become that one, you become the expert. I read, um, actually, that, that idea came to me from Earl Nightingale. He said, if you would read one book per month on your craft, or I think it was Jim Rohn, Earl Nightingale or Jim Rohn, one of them. If you read one book per month, in three years, you'll, you'll be among the experts in your country, the top 10 experts in your country. If you just read one book per month on a specific topic, for example, leadership, if you read one book a month on leadership, and of course, you know, you did some exercises, clearly, you exercised the leadership, in three years, you'd be among the experts because how many people have read 30 books on one topic? Very, very few. And it's the same thing. How many persons have read a thousand articles on digital marketing? I mean, at one point, oh, the third tier was this, when you begin disproving or finding pockets in people's information. For example, I never forget, I went to yeah. a business meeting uh, with, uh, I think it was Caricom, and they wanted us to do some stuff for reparations or whatever it was. It was a 16-country execution, and they had me and these other guys that were way, way more experienced, meaning longer company length, right? Their companies were around longer. Well, I came in that meeting, and I was there specifically for digital. The guy was there. He was he was doing website and uh, you know web development and building all their infrastructure. And I was like, all right, cool. I was just focused on my thing. He brought a consultant with him to try and you know win the business on that side too. Well... Let's just say the person was pitching their thing. And once I opened my mouth, she didn't open her mouth for the rest of the meeting because there was just a ton of holes in what she was saying. She just didn't know what she was talking about. And um, no offense to her, but the reality is the real person that did the studies, did the work, put in the work was there. And I won that easily. Um, and so I think, you know, there is a level at which when you find yourself poking holes, for example, I'm, I'm in panels. I mean, I'm on I'm in conferences sometime and I see old data. People are presenting old data from like two years ago as current data. When you see that stuff, you're like, okay, I'm kind of getting good at this because I can kind of, you know, I can kind of see, yeah, man, spot I can spot the, the BS. BS, I can see the people that don't really know what they're talking about, um, but, you know, they got to do their thing, but you you at least feel more secure in that, you know, you're doing the work. And the third, the third tier was really simply this. Confidence comes from um, not only knowing, but showing, meaning I know I'm reading these five articles a day. I know I'm reading the reports. I know I'm taking the online courses. I know I'm doing these things to further my goal. I'm going to naturally feel more confident. I'm going to naturally feel like I have a handle on this, especially when experience is proven the same. So, you know, yeah. it's just putting in the work. I think people want an easy path to life and nothing in life is easy, even the easy things, if that makes any sense. And so, makes and a lot so of sense. you know, um, putting in the work. I remember I used to watch Gary Vaynerchuk every day. I read his book, The Care Economy, or is it The Thank You Economy, rather? And um, I just saw him, I just, he was just a beast. And I just emulated that. I just worked 18 hours a day as I was reading more. I was executing. I was building SOPs for the company. I was thinking about strategy. I was thinking about continuity. I was, you know, just everything. I was just doing everything I could. I mean, at, I think when we were two years old, we were up for the National Quality Awards because we had so much documented in terms of the, the continuity plans for the company, energy policies, everything. I just, I just wanted to build something that would rival anything globally. Even if it was just in the documentation phase and we weren't there operationally yet, I wanted to ensure that we yeah. built a great firm, less talk, more action, and that actually facilitated our expansion into real estate. So we're actually doing developments now. We actually, we own quite a few um, high-level apartments in our own Kingston that we, that we rent. 
um, to expats, you know, to diversify the group. We're, we're launching an online um, B2B learning um, platform called Digital University. Yeah, man. So we've I've just tried to do what they said CEOs should do. Look for opportunities, innovate, lead. I, I don't think I'm anything special. I just think I follow instructions very well. And um, I have a little bit of ingenuity and charm. And that has led me a far away, right? Yeah, char charm definitely can do that. But I also want to talk to you or want you to talk to us about the importance of setting global oh, yeah. standards. And because that's something you said a couple of times already, that you are a global company and that was mm -hmm. intentional. Um, and, and that's why you've been able to attract global clients because you from the get-go you you've decided that listen yes i'm a jamaican this company is a jamaican company but that does not mean we can't impact mm -hmm. the world right so we're going to make sure that we're setting the standards and do the work at a particular level at a quality as you just said that rivals anybody else talk to us about the importance of setting those global standards from like oh yeah the it's, it's the most important thing because how you start is how you finish in most instances and what i mean by that is the core values yeah. that you expose i was in corporate transformation i've done quite a few talks for a lot of large firms uh, mission vision realignments this is before i started the company this is when i was working with someone and i was just kind of learning corporate organizational psychology all of this stuff right and I said, you know, I started the firm, I started our vision and values, which is D for, um, well, it's, it's the name of the company, Digital. So it's D for dedication, I for integrity, T for, um, no, 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 G, gratitude, G for gratitude, I for uh, innovation, T for teamwork and trust, and A for attention to detail. And those, five, those six letters expose our values, which is, um, that's what we aim to do. So in the very beginning, I never looked at Jamaican companies. And I'm not saying that there aren't some good companies, but I didn't look at Jamaica. I looked at stuff like the Publicis Group, which is one of the largest entities in marketing period in the world. I looked at their branding. I looked at, you know, just the structure and how they were innovating, creating AI. I was looking at all of that. Then I looked at Apple. I was like, all right, if I, and I asked my team all the time, if Apple was doing something, would they put this out? And if they say no, we're not putting it out, right? Um, and these are just the kind of ideas and thoughts that I try to run with. Uh, like, how, how does our, our collateral, does it look like Apple would buy it? Um, you know, our, the things that we do, does it look like, you know, HBO would use this? If we're doing visuals, is it clean enough? You know what I'm saying? So everything we do is try to, you yeah. know, just try to not only emulate, but innovate on things globally. We've done some really, really cool work that I would say rivals some global entities. Um, and I'm very, yeah. very proud of that. I think, you know, it all begins with self-esteem and really wanting to do something great and believing in yourself and holding yourself to firm standards. Because I can tell you, it's hard changing minds towards this standard. It's hard when you have the values trying to impart it to team members. Because I, you know, persons are used to doing things a certain way. Island psychology. And when you, when you have to do over something for me 10 times, you're going to learn to hate me, right? Or love me, depending on who you are. But yeah. I have to have the willpower, and that's a very important thing, the willpower to keep pushing. Even when I'm tired, I cannot let something go out that is not up to standard. And that is where quality control comes in, where you need a great creative director. Even if you have to be creative director, as I was for a while, I have a CD that's very similar to me now, a creative director that's very similar to me now. And so, you know, a lot of, a lot of business and all of these things is patience. And, you know, everybody wants to get wealthy quickly. Everybody wants to you know, make massive leaps and gains, but you have to firm up your foundation before you try to build, right? And that is something that I've really tried to do, just be very clear on who we are, why we're doing what we're doing, um, the standards that we um, have, the standards that we set, how do I impart this to new team members so they're onboarded and clear on what we're doing here in two days, not two months, um, so that we can maintain operational efficiency. Uh, you know, there's just a ton of concepts and principles that I've read, learned, practiced, 
that have kind of taken us where we are. And I'm very proud of that. And I look forward to learning more so I can take us even further. Right. So I wanted to go a one step further, though, than just, you know, setting global standards, because a lot of what you said, it, it took a lot of internal work, um, setting your standard operating procedures, making sure that your team is on the same page. And that's something I want to come back to as well, making sure that you're hiring people who see the vision and who can help you build out that vision. But then what is the external face of, 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 of that? How do you then say, OK, this is who we are and and this is why as a global client you should work with us as a as a as a as a localized company yeah how do you present that yeah how do you project that 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 global standard externally well um, very simply our website looks like a global company people don't think we're local uh, we invested a lot of time and energy to one maintain the portfolios anything that goes on the website looks like butter as i like to call it very clean very minimalist very global standard um you know collateral and then of course the website looks like we're a great you know global company which we are so you know you have to you have to um validate yourself um i mean the world can only know you based on what you put out right people can only get to know you based on what you um what you um, portray yeah. and so it's so important that you portray a positive image and you keep your word so for example i had a call with a guy in australia last week um, he reached out to us also. Our, SO, our SEO is very, very up, right? As we would say in Jamaica, it's very, very highly ranked. We're highly ranked. No matter where you're searching for digital marketing in the Caribbean, we come up. Digital marketing in the West Indies, we come up because we worked heavily to publish articles daily tied to our um, industry and services. And so we're very highly ranked in SEO. So we're found all the time online by a lot of entities. I had a call in London, a call in, um, um, as I said, Australia, and one in Canada, I think last week. The benefit that we had is he looked and he said, you know, your stuff looks really great. That's one. So already, we've already met the quality standards. All he really wants to know is price. Um, and, you know, we had a discussion. Clearly, uh, I used to live in the States, so I, I, I am a bit more exposed to a lot of different things. You know, we were um, speaking about a lot of things regarding Australia, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And just how business is done. You know, we responded to his email within an hour, which is company policy. As you would have recognized, even in the context of liaising with um, our operations person to set this up. Everything is very rather quick, right? Um, and so those little standards, you know, minor things, just good customer service. I think people underestimate the power of great customer service. If somebody emails you, you respond. Somebody gives a call, you return the call. If you say you're gonna send a proposal at five, you send the proposal at five. You do what you need to do, even if it means less sleep, even if it's a small customer, because you're not doing it for the customer, you're doing it because it's who you are. And that is a very important element to defunct. You can't do tactical things if you want to be great. You have to become great to impart greatness to others. And so um, holding yourself to very, very high standards. I know my team gets upset with me all the time and that's okay. I'm CEO, that's my job. It's my job to ruffle, ruffle feathers and, and um, drive for results that only I alone see the significance of. And that's okay, that's the, that's the need of job. Yeah. Having the willpower and the, the emotional intelligence to one, communicate it sometimes, but two, just use force sometimes as is necessary to say, I need it done. You don't need to understand right now, but I need it done this way, right? Because there might be a limited time where I don't have time to explain. And a lot of that comes from trust. The team has to trust you yeah. to make the decisions and execute on your instruction, knowing that you know what is best based on your track record. No, and that also goes back to the internal. How do I say to them, oh, we're doing global standards? Well, results speak, right? Um, I think we're one of the fastest growing agencies, the marketing company. And um, we've set up a lot of brands and their CEO is well, highly regarded. And so, you know, those little things make persons look and say, wow, you know, I want to I want to work here or, you know, oh, this guy seems like he knows what he's doing. He seems pretty successful. The company seems good. The culture seems cool. 
um, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I've been through a lot of people. I've learned a lot. Creative millennials are very hard to manage in a, in a, especially in the Caribbean, <laughs> yeah. in a space of excellence, right? Yeah. It does not compute many times um, because creatives like to just create and they don't necessarily, and then this is a generalization based on my experience, clearly. Um, it's it, it, Human beings are a universe unto themselves. And so I'm not seeking to um, condense. Broad brush. Yeah. Indeed, right? Um, or to broad brush anybody's persona. But I found it. Creative industries are very hard to get persons to understand things like deadlines and, yeah. um, you know, understand that, okay, the client needs this now and we need to ensure that we manage expectations and, you know, all these little things that are just not, not you know, second nature, as you'd call it, to, yeah. to them. Yeah. Um, it creates an inherent conflict in, in creative industries, um, you know, getting output and getting productivity, whereas persons care more about, um, you know, art. Uh, and yeah, so the, the, yeah, there's a balance that needs to be struck there, but it has a lot to do with trust, has a lot to do with a lot of communication, over communication, as a matter of fact, to ensure that persons understand what we're actually trying to do, why we are trying to do it, how we are seeking to achieve it and the buy in and the benefits to them when we achieve it. So, you know, that's that's a good operational approach to get that buy in. But also, you know, people like nice things. And when you look at our stuff, the staff is always happy. They trust me to get the right designers. They trust me to get the right people, motion designers, HR, you know, to make the right decisions. Um, you know, it's just a, it's just a like any company, and I think you know a lot of people that run, that do business or want to do companies and startups and all these things. Everybody has a business nowadays, right? But I think people don't remember that there are fundamentals to business. There are fundamentals that if you're doing, if you want to grow, you cannot um, ignore, and these things are like proper management of your finances, right? Proper management of your team continuity plans ensuring that you document for repeatable processes so that you can get repeatable results um you know fundamentals like understanding where you're going why you're going there how you're getting there and knowing how to communicate that communicative policies within the organization how do you ensure that everybody's on the same page oh because my company is completely virtual now actually rented out our office space because i was like we don't need this anymore especially covid only exacerbated the the drive to digital transformation and we released a guide on digital transformation because we've been doing it since 2016 we've been virtual since 2016 before anybody was talking about it we leveraged tools like slack trello um lots of stuff like process street which is for sops and tracking performance etc cetera, etc cetera. google drive suite you know we have a suite of tools, a stack of tools that yeah. I call it that helps us to just kind of run things no matter where we are. Completely online, yeah. Yeah, man. One of my staff told me they were in. I don't even know where they are right now. Like, I don't. It doesn't matter. Like, oh, I'm flying to Miami next week. Just as an HR thing, you know, they tell the HR, you know, I'm, I'm going to be in Miami next week. Um, is there any physical shoots or any you know physical um productions that will be necessary that will have to be reassigned, et cetera, et cetera. But in terms of output, no matter where you're on Earth, we we're able to get it done. When I was in Rome the other day, um. You know, I was, or I think that the room was about eight hours, eight hours, um, yeah, eight hours, I think, ahead of Jamaica. And what I would do is I would get up and go touring, right, early, early. I'd get up and go tour and see all the sites and, you know, check out the Coliseum and, you know, just have a ton of fun. I would get back by the time my team was waking up and work until the end of the day. So it was like an 18 hour day. Um, and I would just, but I had so much, I think that was jet lag. I don't know what was happening, but I had so much energy. Maybe it was just a new environment. And so I do that almost every time I travel. Not now. That was the early days. Not now because the team can handle themselves. But I had to you know, ensure that once again, those quality standards were up and running until I could find persons that would maintain those standards for me. And there's a natural growth cycle in a business when you're bootstrapping. You can't afford the best people in the beginning. And so you have to take your time. You have to get some good enoughs, right? Um, but people that are still, you know, have potential because clearly you don't want to hire persons that are not motivated internally 
persons that are lazy. And there's quite a bit of that that happens in organizations because interviews don't always tell the truth, right? And so you hire people and then they suck. No offense to people that suck, but you know yourselves. And they don't put out a lot of effort. And so you find yourself in, in shanks. And one thing I've learned this year is, you know, release um, compassionately, uh, you know, and, and keep moving with your life. Because at the end of the day, persons can always get another job. But you, if you're building, this is your company, this is your baby. You have to ensure it gets the maturity so that it can take care of itself and take care of you when you get older, right? Yeah. And, and wow, that's, that was, that's, that's a lot. And, you know, a part of, a part of being a leader and and this is coming straight up my you know what now because i am not <laughs> i i wouldn't call myself a leadership expert but you can recognize a good leader you know mm. what i mean you in, mm. in the things that they do in how their company performs in how their staff you know operates and you said a couple of things um that is a good indicator so you talk about standard operating procedures and how important it is to make sure that that is all documented it's a part of the organizational structure of your business as far as i'm concerned i mean i'm not a leadership expert but as far as i'm concerned that is the mark of a good leader making sure that everything is documented and that everybody knows what needs to happen at any given point so you talk about you know making sure that you're responding to emails within an hour, making sure that if you tell a client five o'clock, it's five o'clock. Mm. I want you to, to, to talk to us about that and talk to us about why that is such an important part of growth, not just part of business, but an important part of growth and also on, on what, why that makes you attractive to clients. Mm. Well, I think, you know, uh, one of the big things with SOPs is that it ensures repeatable results. But I would say this about SOPs. SOPs have to be updated over time. So it's a full-time job just managing that thing. You know, In terms of an HR department, you have to have somebody that's there. It's like, you know, tight because things are going to change, especially in digital marketing. My God, how we used to do reports. We can't do reports like that anymore. Yeah. Uh, metrics that used to be important aren't important to clients over time. And so you have to constantly be updating, constant communication between departments so that there is a clear standard being set and standards being revised as needed. Um, but I think, you know, having SOPs, what it does is enables, one, it frees you up as a leader because teams know step one, step two, step three, step four, um, you know, and you can just direct them places instead of spending an hour. You can take 15 seconds to direct them somewhere instead of spending an hour explaining something to them. Anything you find yourself explaining over and over that needs to be documented, whether it be via video, audio like this podcast or something so they can listen to it and understand the premise and understand the things, um, or, you know, over text which is, you know, the SOPs themselves, the documents um, that we that you produce to kind of say step one, step two. We even draft our emails, like, you know, introduction emails for account executives. Um, this is what you say in this, you know, insert your name. There's a field there, just insert your yeah. name, copy and paste this in your email. This is how you introduce yourself to customers, All right? So it's even that granular, how you answer the phone, two rings, hello, it's Digita, you know, bam, 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 bam. All of that type of stuff um, is, is documented and um, clear. So that, you know, you have some level of branding. Branding is how you do things. That's what people, people, branding is not just your logo. Branding is how you do things. What are you known for? What is your operational approach? That is your brand. So one of my brand elements personally and for the company is Kemal gets things done. If you call this guy, it's going to get done. You might have to pay more than the average bear, but it's going to get done on time, on budget, and you will be happy. That's my brand, right? 
Um, and that's clearly, you know, you're going to have some unhappy customers, but um, once you keep your metric around 90% of happy people, you're fine. Because, you know, <laughs> yeah. the, the, the 90% will always drown out the 10. And I go 90 because you don't want a thing where it's, 50, it's 55, 45, right? Because then it becomes hard to discern by the, the onlooker. <clears throat> so you want to keep your standards very high. But yeah, SOPs are, are just key to growth because it allows you to step back and focus on the operational leadership innovation aspects, whereas the team knows for example, what they need to do next here and there. Uh, clearly, SOPs in a creative industry, in a creative company is much harder than SOPs in like a loan company because, you know, clearly it's just, you know, this is the two levels of approval. If a loan is this much money, you do this. If a loan is that <laughs> yeah. this much, da, da, da. if the person submits this and that, it's this. They, they need these six documents on the checklist. That's an SOP, right? But clearly, in creativity, it, there's no SOP for make this great, right? And so what you have to do is create the process that, that ensures that. So for example, you might have an ideative phase. You tell the designer, every design you do 15 minutes of just researching online, what looks good, what looks matches this client. Then you move into the design phase. Phase one is this, phase two is that, phase three is that, to ensure that you're managing, um, uh, what do you call it? Managing the process, but also managing the creativity, if such a thing exists, so that you can meet your deadlines. Um, I know it sounds weird, but you have to manage creativity. Uh, you can't have somebody sitting there, oh, I don't have, my, mm -hmm. my brain isn't, I, don't, I haven't come up with a concept yet. We gotta, you know, if the client needs something by Friday and we've approved, then that's going to print or it's going on some ma massive campaign. So for example, we just did the Cygnus Capital APO, right? Um, for their additional shares on the stock exchange. And listen, we got called, I just got a call this morning. Like, hey, we need a print ad by 12. And what am I gonna say? Like, hey, oh, you know, we need, our creative process doesn't allow, nah, that's, you see, that's the difference between your businessman versus a creative running a, a creative company. Um, I understand that business, businesses and companies will have needs that will not necessarily fit into the the, the, the the modus operandi of full-fledged creative design, meaning taking two hours to ideate, you know, coming back to the customer with a creative concept and a brief, and then you run through the brief and then they're like, oh, I love this, and you give them three, three um, you know, uh, mock-ups, and then that's not, that's not how it happens sometimes. And so, you know, flexibility and adaptability is key to all levels of success. Yeah. Not yeah, sure if I answered yeah. the question. And, and <laughs> yeah, man, you, you answered the question, fine. Um, and you know, you said, you know, having these things in place actually frees up your time so you can go and do the hunt and hunting and gathering because you are the, the head of that company. Indeed. So you are constantly on the lookout for opportunities and where you can expand and where you can grow. And once you have those other things in place and once it, it and it's not set it and forget it, as you mm -hmm. said, but because it, it takes constant updating, but at least there's a foundation there that you're, you're always oh, expanding yeah. from and expanding so much that you have now gone into different areas. Yes. So you're now, yes, you, you said, earlier about real estate and you talk about digital Properties. university yeah, uh -huh. what is digital digital university and how did you get from marketing to real estate um real estate is something i love i think you know uh, as, a, as a ceo one of the things you want to do is diversify your company's assets so that you can withstand storms and um clearly you know it's not from a, it's not from a standpoint of we're transitioning out i always foresaw and i'm a creative guy so i like many types of business i'm an entrepreneur i'm a problem solver i'm not a marketer and so real estate in jamaica you know as you know this is very expensive right now and um you know i wanted to do things differently i wanted to brand rebrand how real estate is done and that's in the process it's gonna be really cool when we roll all our stuff very very different approach um and so i i just saw problems i was like you know i didn't like how this is done i find for example i own quite a few properties and 
the process through which these things go down is horrible. You know, just from buying to to um, renovating to actually closing your, your thing, you know, finding a ton of challenges with your brand new, brand new construction. It, it's just like, why are things so inefficient? Why is it so inefficient? And there must be a way to increase this, in, this efficiency, increase the client satisfaction and happiness while you do it, and also rebrand how this transaction takes place. And so that's kind of where I wanted to play. And also I just started, actually how it came about, I started playing a game from Robert Kiyosaki called Cashflow. And it was always talking about acquiring properties. And I was like, well, we have yeah. some, we have some capital that I've saved. And I was like, okay, from a personal capacity, I'm going to acquire my own too. But for the company, I wanted, I wanted to get a building. I wanted to, you know, do certain things. I wanted to invest. And I said to myself, well, um, let's just start a property company that will one, manage the companies that I personally, I mean, manage the properties that I personally hold. And then two, start developing properties and offer a suite of services. Because for example, things like stratas that are set up there, I, I'm on, let me see, I have quite a few properties and I'm on many strata, you know, um, in the groups and so on. And we have discussions and I'm like, these guys are just lazy. They, you have to tell them what to do. They're not operationally efficient. And I have found that efficiency and keeping your word are some of the, it's the best pathway to, so just keep your word, keep your commitments. If you put that you're going to renovate or even vacuum the pools at the complex and trim the hedges every week, it needs to be done. And there needs to be somebody to follow up and ensure that it's done. And if it's not done, there are consequences that must be taken or, um, you know, um, consequences that must be had against the person that promised to do this. And so, you know, the real estate element of things, it's just a natural progression. Real estate has created the most billionaires globally. Well, I want to be a billionaire, a U.S. billionaire, um, to be able to further impact my, my, my community and my world. And so I have to follow the trends of those that came before me because I'm not that smart. As, as um, what's his name? Alibaba's. Jack Ma, he says, we're not that good. And I think it's so true. It's a humble thing, but it's so true. Like, why do you think you have to reinvent the wheel? Just put some rims on it, right? Innovate on the, the, the trends and standards that you see that are working. But more so, before you innovate, understand it intimately. So I, I understood real estate intimately before I dived in. I must have gone to 50 um, open home, open houses. I must have talked to 10 realtors. I must have, you know, I just did the work. Once again, just like articles, right? You do the work. Yeah. consistently and then i i kind of know no things so all of the real estate that i've acquired uh my my friends tell me like come out here like a, a whiz because everything that i've acquired is worth at least each of the properties is worth maybe two hundred thousand us more than when i acquired it so right you have to be so focused but also be open and um I, I'm, I'm very happy with you know just just how i've kind of one learned but two added some rims and innovated on what i've learned and taken some serious risks that could have put me in some serious problems um yeah. but they didn't because they, they were calculated covid i took some calculated i took some risks risk in covid that led me in some serious problems but <laughs> but that's a part of the game you can't win always I, and yeah, that's something, as jamaican people say nothing tried oh, nothing yeah, done man, and you can't win all the time that's something i was doing for a long time just winning all the time right i didn't lose and that told me that one i wasn't being risky enough um, but unfortunately, I took a big risk in COVID. I mean, when COVID came, I was just like, oh, my God, why did I do this? But I lost a ton of money. But that's okay because you can always make it back. We're young, we're strappy. And the most important thing about success is the person you become, not the things that you get, not the money, but the person mm -hmm. you become. Because what happens is you might lose it all. But because of your, you are the person that is successful, not that success is external to you, but it's internal, you can always make it again and build and build the, the mousetrap even again. better. Yeah? Yeah.
yeah and so, so how so that that's that's the property side what about the university side now what's that all about oh well it's a simple b2b it's a simple b2b um hr not hr relatively i'm um, learning platform so one of the things that covid showed is that if you cannot get into a seminar room and clearly i'm in corporate transformation and training i've trained organizations mm -hmm. all over the island internationally locally I actually trained the seventh largest aeronautical company in the world um their managers came down to jamaica and i did their retreat in montego bay and these are like you know like they have i think a thousand employees and here i am telling them about leadership and management they love the session though right because knowledge there's no um a large fleet is not a window into wisdom everybody has insights and and perspectives that can add value to people's lives no matter how big no matter how small and that's why everything yeah. from a plant to the universe can be your teacher if you allow it to and um and that's where a lot of confidence comes in a lot of people say i'm very i'm a very confident guy it's not just because i created confidence i believe in myself to a deep level that when i step in a room i have something that will add value to people i i believe that something that i've learned will touch even one person and if it will touch even one person it makes sense to go up and speak to the masses and the multitude right because you never know who that one person might become and I, i'm actually as i'm speaking i'm looking at my wall and you know i was i gave a talk years ago 2017 and um someone said you know they came to my office they called ahead and they're like oh they want to drop something off i'm like what is this person dropping off and they dropped off a painting with my face because they just were so inspired and they did a painting on hardwood cedar and brought it and i was just like wow this is amazing and that is just the level of things i mean i'm, I'm in the gym people come up to me all the time and say boy kamal da, 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 da. and you know it's a blessing and i have mentees that i try to um, pour into but as i said doing the work gives you the confidence to believe in yourself believe in yourself will give you the confidence to further improve the work and grow and so there the, everything is cyclical including success there'll be highs there'll be lows but you have to stand firm and, and go through and, and one of the things that stoicism has done for me it was one of my philosophies or you know it, it has it's taught me that this too shall pass both success and failure both life and death and so and both happiness and sadness and so you just got to keep moving forward like that disney film meet the robinsons keep moving forward and you'll find that life will reward you okay well awesome stuff <laughs> awesome stuff so before you go um what is the best advice you could give to anybody and it doesn't matter whether they want to go into digital marketing mm -hmm. or what it is that they want to do because you're so much more than that as you said you're a problem solver not necessarily a marketer mm -hmm. or such so what would be the advice you'd give to somebody who wants to start a thing they've had this idea that has been circulating in the brain for a while they've been ruminating and mulling it over and they but you know this whatever it is holding them back they're afraid you know they're not necessarily risk takers like that but they have an inkling for something and they know it probably could work if they just do it what would be your advice the best advice you could possibly give to that person my advice would be to know thyself to thine own self be true and i think that is one of the realest things ever because not everybody should start that business maybe you should tell your friend who's more in gear to do it than you and be a partner not everybody should be an entrepreneur. Some persons, imagine if Johnny Ive tried to be an entrepreneur. We wouldn't have the amazing products that Apple has created. We wouldn't have, oh, he's Apple's, he used to be Apple's chief designer, um, we, product designer. Uh, we wouldn't, a product developer rather. We wouldn't have the amazing product. Not everybody should be an entrepreneur. Know yourself. Know if you, um, know one, the level at which you want to achieve because not everybody can take risks. Some things that I do, my friends say they couldn't sleep if they did it. 
And that's why it's so important to be self-aware, know your strengths, know your weaknesses, know your life path. Not everybody has to start just because you have an inkling. You might just have a cool hobby with it and you maintain your main job. However, if you do want to dive into this entrepreneur thing, prepare for pain, assess your risk tolerance, assess your, you know, there's IQ, EQ and AQ. And AQ is adversity quotient. You have to have a very high adversity quotient to do this business thing and at least maintain some level of life. Um, Your adversity quotient is essentially how much pain you can take. I can take a ton of pain. I've I've learned that my adversity quotient is probably higher than I don't know. It's really high. And my bounce back game is really quick. So if something knocks me out emotionally, spiritually, physically, I'll be back in two months, rearing to go and ready for another hit. That's me. Not everybody has that. And so you have to be really aware of your strengths, your weaknesses. And if you have an, if you really want to start something, stop, talk, stop talking, stop thinking and start. How will you know if you don't try? Right. How will you know if you don't try? If you don't fail, um, you know, um, if you don't fail, you'll win. And if you fail, you know, it doesn't work. So you learn, um, you know, so there's no real risk in taking a chance on yourself. You can't you can't fail by betting on yourself, but clearly equip yourself with the knowledge to succeed, meaning don't go out and be like, I'm going to make a billion dollars from stuffed animals this year. There are already companies that make that and will destroy you. They have more marketing money. They have more powers. They have a bigger production capacity. They have the, con- the contacts in China. They will eliminate you. What you could do is make something a unique teddy bear um, that only you do, patent it, and then you're at least safe for a while. And then you can do your thing. So you have to really equip yourself with the knowledge. Anything you want to do is achievable. Um, clearly, but you have to know your expect, know your, know, manage your expectations. Manage the um, operational output that you can do there or, you know, the profitability because not everything will be profitable. Not everything will be an Apple or an Amazon. And also always evaluate and ask yourself, what need, need, not want, what need am I solving for? What serious pain point am I solving for? And if your top 10 friends or 10 people you ask um, as a sample don't need your product and service, you might want to reevaluate it. Of course, that advice is tied to many specific, I mean, you know, industries and so on and so forth. It's varied. But if 10 people in your, in your core friend group or people that you know, um, you, do a, you do a sample of even, say, 50. And nobody wants your product. Do not do that business. Right. And I'm, 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 you talked about, you know, banking on yourself and there's no downside to banking on yourself, betting on yourself, um, but making sure that you're equipped Mm-hmm. Um, with the knowledge and um, to, to, to actually get what it is that you need done done or if not partner with somebody who can help you get that done and you know th- I think that's an excellent um, point to make but before you go though mm-hmm. I want to talk to you about apps I'm an app junkie <laughs> I have a ton of apps on my phone mm-hmm. what are some of the apps that you use um, the most and why okay the apps that I use, as I said earlier, um, well, I, I don't really use apps per se on my phone anymore. Well, I, I use my banking apps on my phone. Um, Slack, though. Slack is my communication tool. Like, that is what we use at the company. Everything's structured and kept in Slack. Um, let me see. Trello to manage projects. Um, let, me, let me actually look at my phone. You Why don't use I... any personal apps? Oh, you mean personal apps? Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Um, I use notes on my phone religiously and my calendar app. Very basic, but my calendar is very structured, as in all my time is allotted, even reading time, sleeping time, everything is allotted. I'm a, I'm a beast at that type of stuff. Um, I have four calendars that I use for distinct purposes. And I have the notes app on my phone where I keep my, you know, my morning routine, my, my daily routine, my morning, my evening, my nighttime routine, all my notes, my self-love journal, all of that type of stuff that you know helps to equip my mind with the strength necessary. Yeah. And then are you are you a Google ecosystem or an Apple ecosystem? I'm both. You know, I have my MacBook 
Um, uh. But I don't like my iPhone. My iPhone is my second phone. <laughs> I just can't yeah. get with a swing. I have a Note 20. I'm an Android man through and through. Because uh, I think, Android for the win. Yeah, man. I think, it, <laughs> I think it just gives you more flexibility. I, lo- I mean, Apple is nice. But I love my Galaxy. I don't think I will be changing my primary driver from my Galaxy to iPhone anytime soon. Even though I have my MacBook and my iPad. Um, in terms of apps, there's an app called Budget Book that I highly recommend on Android. It, it is my go-to for all things, you know, managing your money. I love it, love it, love it. I know my net worth at all times. Um, what else is here on my phone? I'm just looking here. QuickBooks, well, that's business stuff. There's an app called The Pattern that you can learn more about yourself. That's very interesting if you're into horoscopes. I'm not heavily into it, but I did get some insights from it. Clearly, WhatsApp for communication. Audible is, is life and Moon Reader. Audible is great for books and Moon Reader is great for books, but audiobooks and the other one. Medium is amazing for reading and just learning about yourself. Evernote for jotting down things. And of course, the Google suite for doing things. Like I'm writing a book at present and Google is what I'm, I'm just using a Google Doc because it instantly saves and it's in the cloud. I can write from anywhere. Yeah. So, you yeah. know, um, basic stuff. I think, you know, one of the things I used to do when I was like, when I was younger, I had so many apps and walk a time and this one and bam, 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 boom, boom, boom. And, you know, I was just app, app, app. But I think as you grow, as you mature, you learn that less is more. Something that my mom has told me forever. And I'm as I grow, I'm learning less is more. Structure your life in such a way that, you know, you're not bombarded with things, but you're gifted the right things so that you can... um you can kind of realize your goals and dreams because time is limited and we're all living on borrowed time. There's a stoic um, philosophy that said, there's a stoic reading that says, you know, there's a gun to your head at all times. At all times, there's a gun to your head. You don't know when you leave this plane of existence. And so every moment, you know, you spend actually, oh, there's a great app that I recommend um, called App Block because every moment you spend on Instagram, idling, right? And I'm on Instagram a lot too. Because uh, it's just an engaging app. But you have to remember, mm-hmm. you have goals that you want to achieve. So you have to block it. I actually block Instagram. I'm taking a week off from all my routines just to kind of recoup. Um, but I normally block Instagram um, throughout the day. For only I, I get an hour at 12 to 1 and then 8 p.m. onwards or 7 p.m. onwards. And that's when I check it out. Because throughout the day, you need to be, I need to be focused. I need to be out here making this money, making these moves, making these partnerships, you know, um, growing the firm, managing my team, you know, executing, getting more deals, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so, you know, I really recommend app blocker and, you know, but anything that works for anyone. I mean, everybody will have their own um, life design, but those little processes work for me. Okay, awesome. Kemal, thank you so much for your time. I'm not going to hold you any longer. You gave me a full hour. I am grateful. Um, thanks for talking to me and thanks for being on the Digital Jamaica podcast. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me and thanks for, you know, um, putting some value on my, my little, uh, what you call it, musings. So you just listened to my awesome conversation with Kemal Brown and there are several parts where I just had to stop and go, wow, that was gems, <laughs> right? Um, yeah, amazing, amazing thinker and, um, you know, amazing mindset to have as a business person. And it's, I hope it's something that you can take away from he he talks about stoicism he talks about kaizen and you know these are the philosophies that has played a major role in directing his actions and his thoughts and i am just grateful to be able to share that with you and of course you know if you like the show there are several ways you can support easy free cheap ways to support the show first 
subscribe, right? Get those numbers up. Uh, download the episodes. Certainly share our episodes. And of course, we want to hear from you. So email us at digitaljamaicapod at gmail.com. Let us hear your thoughts on these conversations. And who knows, maybe the next show you'll hear yourself or I will read out some of your uh, feedback from the show really appreciate you guys make sure you're following us over on social media at digital.jamaica on instagram at digital jamaican on twitter and um at digital jamaica on youtube and look out for the digital jamaica live show relaunch um it's going to be a live stream show coming on may 4th we're talking to kibwe Megan country manager of uh, WePay, Lauren Peart, CEO and founder of Blue Dot, and Victor Clementson, who is the CEO of Cut The Line, and they're going to be sitting down to talk to us about ends. You don't want to miss that. All right, guys. Thank you so much for your support and for your love, and we'll see you in the next episode of the Digital Jamaica Podcast. Bye.